You're listening to Second Breaks, the show where we talk about feeling better, doing better, and being better in midlife and beyond. I'm Lou Blazer. I don't know about you, but getting coached or seeking therapy... It wasn't something I heard a lot about while I was growing up or even in my early adulthood. People didn't talk about their experiences seeing a therapist or a quote-unquote shrink back then. And coaching was mainly from sports coaches, if I remember correctly, like soccer or basketball or tennis coaches, if you happen to be active in sports. There was also the kind of coaching and guidance you got from school but that's mostly about like what kind of career you might want to pursue and so therefore what kind of college degree you might want to pursue. And then when I joined the workforce, I heard about executive coaching, which was usually something that companies paid uh, for you to help you get your career to the next level. And it was typically offered to senior level people mostly. Certainly, I don't remember executive coaching being offered to, you know, uh, people who are just starting out in their careers. You're just pretty much on your own, kind of <laughs> figure it out almost. Well, the good news is all that has changed. The idea of seeking and getting help has become more acceptable in society in general. More people today are talking about openly, talking about their experiences and the stigma for getting professional help has greatly been um, diminished, if not entirely eliminated. You know, going to a therapist today isn't seen in the same light as it was compared to like how it was decades ago. There's also been an explosion in the field of coaching over the last few years. Uh, celebrated author Michael Lewis has a new podcast, or I should say it's one of my new favorites. Um, it's called Against the Rules, and he has devoted his entire season two to the rise of coaches. Here's a brief clip from one of the episodes where he interviewed Timothy Galway, who is the OG on mastering our inner game. So I said, don't try to keep it clean. Just notice changes in moisture. It's only a few measures. Sounds about the same to me. The whole orchestra gets up on their feet and gives a standing ovation. And you couldn't tell the difference. No! <laughs> what do I know? <laughs> and so I said, oh, my God, this is easy. Uh, I know nothing about tubas, nothing about classical music. And, uh, and I got everything from him that I needed. And it seemed like magic to them. Now this is new. 
the coach doesn't need to know the first thing about what's being coached. All the coach needs is a gift for playing around with people's minds. Two things follow from this. Anyone can coach anything. And anyone doing anything now needs a coach. I'm Michael Lewis, and this is Against the Rules, a show about various authority figures in American life. And then the result of all these newly minted coaches is that getting coached in all aspects of life, beyond careers or beyond sports, is now relatively accessible for more people. Now, it's still one of those things that separates the haves from the have-nots, but as a general statement, more people today have access to coaching. So the upshot is professional help is more accessible and more people are getting help. If there's an area in your life that you are having difficulty with, chances are you're going to be able to find someone who can help you address or overcome the issues. The challenge with more options, though, is that we now must decide what kind of help we need. I mean, who do we see for what kind of problem? How do we select? And what can we expect from the experience? Now, all that is the subject of today's episode. And to help me understand the landscape, I have invited Nicole lewis Kieber, who is just the perfect person to chat about these things. Nicole is in a unique position to shed some light here because she is a licensed clinical social worker who worked for many years as a therapist. And then she went on to get additional training and different kinds of training to become a coach and became a mindset coach. And so today she is both, although she has directed her professional work mainly towards the business landscape and her clients call her the business therapist. So we talked not only about the differences between therapists, and coaches, but also the differences between life coaching and business coaching and the 50 shades of gray within these fields. I learned a ton from this conversation. And if you are even remotely thinking about getting help, this episode will help you decide which direction to head towards. So just a bit of introduction before I transition to our conversation. Nicole lewis Kieber is a business therapist and mindset coach who works with entrepreneurs to create and nurture healthy relationships with their businesses. She is a licensed clinical social worker with a master's in social work and has a rich and varied experience as a therapist. Nicole writes and speaks about the impact of small t trauma on businesses, but her biggest, more important work is in combining therapeutic processes with business coaching to help entrepreneurs build emotionally sustainable and financially stable businesses. Okie dokie, let me step out of the way. Here's my conversation with Nicole. I'll catch up with you afterwards. So just to kind of provide a little bit of context. So we hear a very common advice these days, which is a good advice, mm-hmm. which is get help. Don't do it alone. There's no need to go it, go it alone. Seek help, which is great because that's, you know, when I was growing up, I didn't hear that a lot. So it's great that we're now talking about these things. And so more and more people are seeking help. Excellent. 
and also more and more people are providing all kinds of help these days. Also good. The challenge becomes who do I go to for what kind of question or for what kind of help? And that's kind of what I wanted to talk to you about today.、Mm-hmm. So I thought we could start with just the very basic level setting of things, and so let's start with the very first thing that we hear about: go seek help, see a therapist.、Mm-hmm. What exactly is a therapist, and、right. are there different kinds of therapists? Yeah, well,、I'm, I agree with you. This whole、um, narrative about seeking help is not one that I heard growing up either. And so I'm very happy that people are doing that. And you know, with the invention of this, you know, the internet, it's gotten very kind of blurry as to what that help might look like. So it's super, it's super helpful, and it's super confusing, right? <laughs> yes. So we can kind of start with the basics. So a basic definition of what a therapist is: it's a broad designation that refers to professionals who are trained to provide treatment and rehabilitation. So that is the basic definition of what a therapist is, and that can apply to licensed mental health therapist or family therapist, social workers. I'm a licensed clinical social worker myself.、Um, there's quite a variety of that. Like a lot of people, I think also, I, I still hear many people who say, "Well, I don't want to go see a shrink or a psychiatrist," and I have to kind of backpedal and say, "Listen, psychiatrists don't do therapy anymore. They just fit, meet with you for about fifteen minutes and give you a medication." <laughs> I didn't, you know? oh, I didn't even know that.、Okay. Yeah, so a lot、gotcha. of people still think psychiatrists, and maybe there's some unique unicorn, you know, psychiatrists out there that still do therapy. But for the most part, they are doctors who are prescribing medications. So、um, even just the way that we talk about it, shrink or psychiatrist, that's actually not even what people are、um, can see when it comes to therapy、right. or a psychologist. Even A lot of psychologists do therapy, but many of them are very much involved in research and testing and and that type of thing. So I think just from the beginning, we get really confused about what a therapist is and who does it. Yeah. So can I clarify something? So the 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 prescription piece, psychiatrists are are they the only ones who can prescribe or、uh, other other people other therapists can also prescribe? So other therapists don't necessarily prescribe. A psychologist could not prescribe, but a a nurse practitioner who works with people with mental health could, right? Or your primary care doctor can prescribe a antidepressant, maybe anti anxiety medication. So there's a little blur there too, as far as who can prescribe medications. But I can't, and none of the therapists that I know or work with or psychologists do we prescribe medications. So it's Doctor, nurse, pretty much that. <laughs> got it, got it.、Uh, I went to therapy myself.、Mm-hmm. My experience with therapy is that mine is mostly talk therapy. When I started seeing her, I was like twice a week, and then we graduated to once a week. That's your typical sort of cadence, right? Yeah. Okay,、mm-hmm. gotcha. All right. Sticking with the therapy, when would you say a person should consider, or would be a good idea for the person to consider seeing a therapist? Yeah, so I, I think usually it's a good first choice, and it's a good first choice that I recommend often because there are so many different types of therapists, you know,、um, mm-hmm. that run from interpersonal to trauma to substance use, family, child. There's there's just so many. So、um, I always like to tell people try a therapist first. 
you know, and, and the life coaches might be mad at me. But, you know, when it typically comes to issues of interpersonal relationships, or maybe you're noticing that I always feel depressed this time of year, or I'm seeing this pattern showing up in my relationships over and over, or, you know, my marriage is in trouble, or, you know, these really deep interpersonal and personal challenges that we are finding ourselves struggling with. Um, I always say it may be something that a therapist could work with, work with you through very quickly. Um, or you might just see that, you know, maybe a, a coach might feel better because you're working in it a different way. But I tend to default towards therapists just because of their training, um, their licensure, and the oversight that comes along with that. Because a therapist is going to know whether you're appropriate, you know, for for that work or not. So I tend to tend yeah. to default towards therapists. But it's usually if you're needing to cope with something, your quality of life has gone downhill because of some issue that you're dealing with. Mm -hmm. There's something that is negatively impacting you, maybe your family, your health, even in your life, or a a coping habits and coping actions of coping that you've developed over the years are starting to cause harm in other areas of your life as well. I remember the first time I saw a therapist, basically, I walked into her office and I just said, something is wrong. I don't know. But something it's just I'm just not right. It just my life is, I can't pinpoint exactly what was wrong. But I'm just very sad. And it's something is wrong. And we went from there. There was no specific problem that I could. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what I think is important about, you know, a therapist is because, you know, they're, they're trained to do a thorough assessment to send you back to your primary care doctor and say, you know, there's a lot of depression, anxiety, irritability, all these symptoms that can actually be medical conditions these right. are symptomology of medical conditions. Like we don't always defer to it being a mental health issue first. We always rule out medical. So I think that the the training on how to do those intakes and to make those assessments and make those recommendations are really important when it comes to not really knowing what's wrong. That level of maybe not insider awareness about what's happening, I think can mm-hmm. be useful for a therapist to hold space for as well. Right. A lot of people, you probably heard this, and I think this is real, is that the pandemic caused a lot of people to feel depressed. So there was like a spike in depression during that period of time. And so would that have been an example of when you might want to see a therapist if you're feeling really depressed and down and like I've lost purpose in my life or whatever it is? Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree. And I think a lot of that has to do with a, a lot of people who had developed lifetime lifetimes of coping for experiences in their childhood that could have been traumatic or, you know, challenging to them, that our ability to cope and modify our lives to manage those stressors and those anxiety and those trauma triggers kind of went out the window when the pandemic happened. So, um, so yes. So I think that, you know, a lot of people ended up finding that their coping skills were not working anymore, or that even the systems that they thought supported them didn't support them anymore, or the family they thought they knew were no longer the family that they know, you know, so that's, that's grief work, really, it's trauma and grief work. So a lot of people did go into therapy and seek out medication because it was too much for their nervous systems to handle. You mentioned something that I know some people have some reactions about I so I'll personalize it I 
fell into this before, wherein I'm going to see a therapist, but I don't want to go back talking about my childhood, talking about my parents, talking about my issues with my, you know, I, growing up. So is that when one, when somebody sees a <laughs> how do I ask this properly? When somebody sees a therapist, is that automatic that we actually go back to our family of origin and talk about our childhood issues? <laughs> you know, I think it's not automatic. And I think that you have some agency over how your sessions go and you can talk to your therapist about where to start because you might need to build some safety with that therapist. You might need to build some resilience before you do that, right? <laughs> so it's not always like a it's not always like an immediate given. However, the nervous system that you have as an adult is the nervous system that was created from that childhood. And so much happens in those developmental years outside of our ability to control that there is benefit in going back and looking at, okay, so well, this makes sense. Not to dwell there, not to blame, not to get into the blame and shame game, but to get to garner some awareness to say, well, gosh, you know, they're, they're the first 18 months of my life, which is huge when it comes to our attachment to other human beings. You know, I was sick and in the hospital a lot. So I had a lot of different caregivers. So I tend to be anxious in relationships. Like this mm -hmm. is such valuable information that we can gain when we're willing to look back. Mm -hmm. But if it doesn't feel safe or comfortable enough to do yet, your therapist <laughs> should be able to assess that and help you really ground yourself in your current life so that you have the safety to go back and look. Yes, I, I personally, I did end up talking about, you know, those things, although I think my therapist will probably, you know, she never said anything to me, but she, she probably has heard it many, many times, because that was one of the first things I said to her when I walked into her office is that, okay, there's something wrong I want to talk about, but I want to stay in the present. I don't want to go back to, you know, childhood. And then in the end, we, not, not in the end, but over time, we ended up talking about those things. And you know what? I kind of understood a lot of this, my, like, why do I act this way? Why is this my my go-to response when certain things happen? And you know what? I understood why. And it's coming from, you know, some of those childhood experiences or experiences when I was growing up. So there you yeah. go. <laughs> yeah, they're called trauma adaptations for a reason, right? right? We adapt in order to manage. So yes, but I mean, where else are you expected, except for maybe in the medical community, to go in and walk into someone you've never met before and like dump your whole childhood on them? <laughs> you know, so I think I think it's appropriate right, to right. Uh, ask for some time <laughs> to get you to know that person there. before, exactly. like and any good therapist would know that. <laughs> so. That's a second date question. <laughs> yeah. Okay. All right. So now let's talk about this whole new field that I feel has exploded in the last 10 years. I certainly didn't hear a lot of life coaching when I was in my 20s. There's this big field now that's, you know, called life coaching or life coaches. And so can you talk a little bit about what that is? And are there different kinds of life coaches? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I think the, again, the online business world really kind of exploded around um, the ability to train to be a life coach, mm -hmm. right? And yeah. also to be able to provide services across state lines and, oh, yeah. you know, those type of things as well. So I, I have also seen this explosion of life coaches. The, and I was a therapist, right? So the very first time I ever heard of a life coach ever was um, when I was watching some TV show called... Um, Oh, gosh, I can't remember the name of it, but there were a couple of coaches. Iana Van Zandt was one of the coaches. Um, 
and they were they had all these people in a house together and they were taking them through all these exercises and then i heard of martha beck on mm-hmm. oprah right yes. that's that was my limit when it came to life coaching um and oh yeah martha beck is a life coach yeah she's like the grand dom og yeah, you know right, when it comes right. exactly. to life yeah, coaching yeah. Mm-hmm. uh-huh yeah, so you know, as a, as a therapist, I was like, "Well, this is very interesting," and I dug in a little bit, and I was like, mm, "You know, like my eyebrow went up a little bit, like I don't know about this, I don't know." But the more I got to learn about coaching, and the more uh, exposure I had to it myself, I saw where mm-hmm. it had its place mm-hmm. and what is required, I think, in order to to be a good life coach and to get good life coaching. So, so the definition of life coach, I had to look this up because. <laughs> knows what this is and it says wellness professionals help people progress in their lives to obtain greater fulfillment clarity Mm. of goal clarifying goals identifying obstacles and putting strategies in place okay all right so what i heard was that and correct me if i'm wrong Mm -hmm. so what i heard different was that in when we when we were talking about therapy there was Emphasis on healing versus in the life coaching, it was more about strategies and mm-hmm. action steps. Or did I completely mm-hmm. no, you did. that? Okay, mm-hmm. gotcha. It's really geared more towards your, you, you, do, you might have a little bit of dissatisfaction about something and you want to change something in your life, but you've identified what it is, right? Typically, you have some clarity about it or you have at least a hunch of, you know, things that work are just not going the way I want them to. I, I think I might like to make a change or I find myself continuing to, you know, have nervousness when it comes to speaking up for myself with my boss or, you know, whatever. It's usually a clarification of a goal that this person wants to meet or some bad habit maybe they have that they want to change or lack of fulfillment in something in their life that used to fulfill them, mm-hmm, some mm-hmm. dissatisfaction. Maybe they have a block towards something and they're, they're like, I want, I'm here and I want to get there and I can see there, but I need some help with getting the strategy, the goals in place. So I think life coaching really is more about that. It's about coaching you towards a goal or towards a way of feeling or being in your life, um, you know, based upon, you know, some of that criteria. It's a little bit less about, you know, there are coach, there are life coaches who are straddling the fence here, but typically mm-hmm. it's not about looking backwards, right? right? It's about looking forwards. Right. So I follow a number of them on the interwebs. And I think this is probably what you meant when you said specific, but I noticed that some life coaches talk specifically about, say, mindset or some life coaches. There's one, uh, Tanya Geisler, for example, mm-hmm. who talks about the imposter syndrome and stepping into the limelight, that kind of stuff. And then there are some life coaches who are more about making pivots in their lives or, you're, you know, making a change or habit changes and those kinds of stuff. And so it, is it fair for me to say that as a general statement, life coaches have a an area that they focus on and so therefore if I'm the one seeking help I should look for those kinds of life coaches does does that yeah it depends I mean there are life coaches that are general generalists right and these are usually the people who have gone through extensive training of months years you know people who have some credentialing some certifications 
um, who have been approaching the person as a whole, right? A holistic view. Um, And however, you know, there are life coaches that I've seen that are for, you know, I see divorce coaches all the time. I Mm -hmm. see, you know, um, toddler mom coaches. I see, you know, coaches for being single or, Mm -hmm. you know, there's so many, like if you name it. Dating coaches. Dating coaches. If you can name it, there is a coach who does it. And the majority of those people are people who did that thing themselves and now have tasked themselves with helping someone else with it. And that's why I say there's generalists that I have found that tend to have more broader training and certification and people who are super niched, not always, please don't Mm -hmm. come at me, not always, (laughs) but a lot of the time, the people who are super niche, it's because they are teaching you to do something they did themselves. Right. Right. And so, yeah. And so it can get really confusing because there's a lot of straddling the fence because a lot of coaches use the language of anxiety, of depression, ADHD coach, right? Neurodivergent coach. Um, and also a lot of coaches are now using trauma in their languaging and, and marketing around coaching. So you have to, it just goes to show that really having an understanding of what you're looking for is important when it comes to hiring a coach. Got it. Now, th- this is another point of uh, confusion because Certain life coaches say they are certified, mm-hmm. but this is not the same certification as therapy. Those are two different things, mm-hmm. right? So the, the licensing of therapists is very different from the licensing very. certification of life coaches. Mm-hmm. Very much so. Like, for example, I have a master's degree, right, in, mm-hmm. in social work. Mm-hmm. And I went to a school that had a clinical track for social work because my intention was to become a therapist. But I also, you know, was very aligned with the social work practices ethically. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, I graduated my master's degree. I started doing um, work in an agency. I was doing therapy. I worked at a methadone clinic. That was my very first job out of school. And I had to prove, I had to take a licensure exam and have 3,000 hours of supervised clinical instruction Mm. and support before I could become a licensed clinical social worker. And I have to continue every year, every two years to renew my license and to get education credits to to prove that. So I found this online, (laughs) because why not? Um, There's like a little... (laughs) like a little differentiator between therapists. And so it says therapists treat mental health conditions. Life coaches cannot treat mental health conditions. Therapists are licensed in their related field and have a degree. Life coaches do not need formal qualifications or academic training. Mm -hmm. Therapists adhere to code of ethics and licensing bodies for oversight. There is no requirement to follow health privacy laws or oversight for the life coaching industry. There's no oversight for it. There's no ethical um, practices that have to be maintained. And and there is no health privacy laws that have to be maintained in life coaching. Do you think, say I decided to go out to a life coach and then during the process of my conversation with a life coach, uh, and I don't even know if the life coach is able to do this, but at what point should I be thinking, you know what, I probably shouldn't be seeing a life coach. I should be seeing a therapist and do life coaches typically say, you know what, you should see a therapist. It's like a doctor when the doctor goes, you know what, you should see a specialist in XYZ because this is really, you know what I mean? Yeah, mm-hmm. they, they should, you know, if they haven't, if they're an, a practitioner or, you know, a, 
a life coach who has high integrity and mm-hmm. has their own personal values and ethics that they're following, mm-hmm. um, they should do that. And I, I work with coaches all the time in my programs to help them figure out where that line is. Mm-hmm. Um, because it's really hard to pull back once you've developed rapport with someone and you're working with them and to recognize that this is outside of your scope. That That's a hard thing to do. So, they, sh- they should be doing that. Yes, if they recognize that this is something, this person's not able to meet any of the goals that we're working on. I feel like we're circling the drain back to the same topic over and over. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like that they're wanting to use this session just to kind of to vent mm-hmm. and share their, you know, their pain or, you know, wherever they're at that that coach is going to then see that the thing that they hired the coach for is no longer in their scope of work. Um, And that their framework that they learned to help take people through, which is what happens a lot of times with coaching is that this person has gone through a framework. Mm -hmm. This is how they work with people. Mm -hmm. And when that doesn't work for them, there's not always a lot of flexibility or awareness on how to help that person at that point. So that would be also a really good time for a referral to a therapist. There you go. So, what could a life coach do that a therapist cannot do and vice versa? Well, I think we've kind of talked about what therapists can do that, you know, life coaches really shouldn't be doing. You know, therapists can, you know, their credentials can get them uh, credentialed with insurance companies who pay for mental health treatment. So your mm-hmm. therapist can file with your insurance. You know, mm-hmm. there's that. Mm-hmm. Um which your life coach oh, probably yes. can't do. That's true. That's yeah. right. So when uh-huh. it comes to payment options, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. therapist is sometime an option because you can use your insurance for it. That's right. That's um, right. Can't do that with a life coach because they don't have the credentialing to back mm-hmm. up, you know, anything like that. And, you know, again, therapists are trained to assess suicidality. Like there's so much that can come up in a session mm-hmm. that we need to understand how to manage that therapists can do that. Not mm-hmm. all coaches are trained to assess like, trauma responses, disassociation, suicidal ideation, you know, like re- reporting any kind of abuse that comes up in, in the session, right? Like we're, we're mandated reporters, like we have to report these things. So there's a lot there. But I think when it comes to working with a life coach, there are some things that they can do that that we can't do in a therapy capacity. And that is maybe a little bit more flexible boundaries between the relationship. Um, it might feel a little bit more collaborative, as opposed to the power dynamic between a therapist and a, a client. I think that life coaches are able to br- bring a little bit more of, you know, a social media presence, mm-hmm. maybe an education. I'm seeing this start to change now, mm-hmm. but they can show up in their own personal stuff a little mm-hmm. bit more than a therapist. See, we're taught that don't bring any of who you are into the room. I don't subscribe to that anymore. I don't think that works. But, you know, we've been taught to just, you know, it's all about them. You keep your stuff to yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm glad to see that is starting to change a little bit so that we're more human in the room together. But life coaches, like, you know, hey, I'm here coaching you on divorce because I went through a divorce. So my story is going to be yes. a part of this journey. And the framework that I use is yeah. going to help you or, you know, whatever that is. So I think there's a little bit more relaxed relationship between them. Yeah. And I think that because of the way that the licensure and like the techniques and modalities that therapists use that they have to go for very long times to train in that mm-hmm. takes step, 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 mm-hmm. that life coaches maybe can lo- move a little bit faster. Right. <laughs> right. Right. You know, also when, when, uh, 
when we're working with a life coach, I don't know if typical is the word, but like it's, it's, it's usual to have like, okay, well, here's your assignment. Like, here's what I want you to do for the next couple of weeks until right. we get together. Here's what I want you to try. Should I be expecting some of Thing like that when I go see a therapist, there's usually no assignment, or is there Sometimes. are assignments? <laughs> yeah, it depends on what you're working on. I mean, okay, I definitely gave you. gave homework. <laughs> it just depends on what you're working on and what the you know the identified patient is. You know, gotcha. All yeah, right. got it. We're going to get back to that interview shortly. I just wanted to briefly mention that this podcast is made possible by Midlife Cues. Now, Midlife Cues is a weekly digital publication for midlifers who are keen on making the most of their midlife. Every Sunday, we explore topics that help us live a joyful midlife. We talk about health and well-being. We talk about midlife mindset, one of the most important foundational things that we really need to master. We examine what growing bolder in our middle years mean for each of us individually. And we explore how we redefine success at work and in life. Give Midlife Cues a try by signing up for your free copy at midlifecues.com. Okie dokie, let's get back to the conversation. All right, so let's move on to another kind of coach, which has also grown, exploded exponentially, business coaching. <laughs> Obviously, you go see a business coach. If you're thinking of starting a business or you've started a business and want to move it to the next level, but anything to do with business is when you hire a business coach. That's obvious. But I think there are different kinds of business coaches, and I think you'll have a perspective of this one too, because I know you talk about business, but you talk about a very specific area of business. So mm -hmm. can you just riff a little bit on business coaching? Yeah, business coaching also is changing a lot. And I think that before there was a pretty defined criteria for what a business coach was, and that has kind of buffed out a little bit now. So, you know, pretty much any business, anyone with a business who's doing well can then say they're a business coach, right? <laughs> Exactly. You know, and that can, it can work for some people, but not other people. So it's kind of a little, again, the criteria, I think it's gotten a little blurry. Um, but I think, you know, there's, there's business coaches that help people who are, you know, in the online business space, I think that specialize, there are brick and mortar business coaches, there are coaches who focus on, you know, strategy and revenue building, there's business coaches that work on business model, there are business coaches that straddle the marketing you know, area, there's a lot of marketing coaches that are billing themselves as business coaches. You know, it's interesting that you said that because now that I think about it, yes, a lot of times they say business coaching, but if you talk, look at their landing page or their business, the sales page, it's mm -hmm. actually talking about marketing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 So this is why, you know, if you are thinking of hiring a coach of any kind, you need to have a you like a step, a step by step, you know, process that you take yourself through to hire the person that really is going to meet the needs that you have. Do you need yeah. a business coach who's going to help you with structure and strategy? Or do you need someone to help you with marketing? Because they're all calling themselves the same thing. Yeah. Um, sales coach, you know, um, part, you know, it's all of it. Like, totally. <laughs> yeah. Your so, own personal CEO coach, exactly. you know, all the, 
all the things. And then we have the mindset people who are also straddling the business coaching, who are using things like law of attraction and, you know, mindset tips and tricks to help people with business coaching, but they're not necessarily business coaches, so to speak, just like me. I'm not a business coach, right? Okay. So that's the thing that I also want to talk to you about, because as many, many people who started their business have discovered (laughs) that we bring our personal issues, Mm -hmm. you know, to the business that we, Mm -hmm. especially if you're a solopreneur, maybe not if you're like a big corporation, but like, especially if you're a solopreneur or one of these smaller businesses that a lot of us have started on our own. We bring a lot of our personal challenges, um, personal issues into the business. And so a lot of times business coaches talk about mindset and we talk about like, where is this coming from? So, I, I mean, am I supposed to talk to a business coach or am I supposed to talk to a life coach or who am I or to a therapist? <laughs> I know. Oh, gosh. I don't know. You know, your, your experience may vary. I think that business coaches caught on that people need the support around the mindset and started doing a little bit of both. Mm. And then I saw that the mindset coaches thought, oh, this will help people with businesses. <laughs> so so they started kind of doing both as well. I think that if you are working with just a hardcore business coach who does none of that, you would behoove yourself to work with someone around the emotional aspects of your business. Because when you start a business, it is a high dive into personal development, whether you like it or not. And I say this all the time, it will bring up your stuff. (laughs) So if you feel like you need to see a therapist to support you through that, or a life coach to support you through that. Or even there are therapists who are also coaches like me, you know, Mm -hmm. who kind of do this little weird, like hybrid crossover. Mm -hmm. If you are neglecting your emotional sustainability while you are building your business, it's going to have long-term effects. So I I would say maybe see a life coach and a business coach or um, a therapist and a business coach or find someone in the middle. Um, So are there, so for example, like you who, is a trained therapist. Mm-hmm. Am I correct in saying that most of your the people that you help are business owners? Right? Yes. At this point, I do not do traditional therapy anymore. At this point, all of the clients that I work with, they call me the business therapist. You know, that's what my clients called me. Yeah. Um, all the clients I work with now are business owners, entrepreneurs, and people who are in leadership. Um, specific types of leadership roles because the emotional desire to start a business, Mm -hmm. like your deeper why around starting a business often has to do with some experience you had where you felt unsafe, unsafe, unseen, unloved, or, you know, that Mm -hmm. you want to prove something to someone. So I work with people every day who are entrepreneurial and have small business owner or, or small business owners, because they are trying to rectify some emotional need with the mechanism of their business, right? right? So I don't know that many people who started a business that didn't have a real deep emotional connection to it. So I think working with someone to support you emotionally and strategically is a really smart thing to do. Gotcha. I know, for example, at least one person who is a life coach and she specializes in stress management, mm-hmm. but she also primarily works with business owners because the stress management management and business owners is also a huge issue. Mm-hmm. So I I don't know that I entered into a business 
because I want to satisfy a need, but I certainly discovered all kinds of fears and issues that I didn't know that I had when I was in corporate America. They only came out when I started a business. So I, you know, I was unprepared because I didn't know that I had those issues and I had those fears until I started a business. Is that common? You, you probably uh, have heard that from other people. Oh, yeah. Too. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah. Everyone I work with is in that position because a lot of times in corporate, you know, we are hiding behind things a lot yeah. or we have the safety and security of the paycheck or yeah. the anonymity that we want to have or the spotlight that we want to have. Like right. we have, you know, some control over that. And, you know, I've worked with a client who, she was on top 1% of sales, you know, mm-hmm. in her her team. Like this was the quintessential high performance person in every area of their life. And when mm-hmm. they left to start their own business, they recognized that that was actually a coping mechanism and not how they want to live their life, right? <laughs> and so <laughs> they couldn't replicate that in their business because it's not what was sustainable for them. So mm-hmm. So all the reasons that they became that high performer came out because of their business, because they had a spotlight on them now. They didn't have the security of the paycheck. They didn't have someone to, you know, kind of, uh, oh gosh, what's the word I want to use? Like to, to look up to and to, and to say, you know, pick me, pick me or. Oh, yeah. Or validate that you're doing a great job. Validate them. Yeah. So the, the word I was going to say, yeah. up to, but anyway, like. <laughs> That they're getting their validation from someone else. And so they're constantly rising to that need. Oh, you want me to do this? Okay, let me do that. And when it's your business, who's going to do that for you? And then your nervous system goes haywire because it's like this was a trauma adaptation, you know, or a modification to make yourself feel a certain way. Mm-hmm. And so when you take that away from yourself, your nervous system's like, whoa, <laughs> wait a minute. <laughs> what just happened? <laughs> exactly. I was doing fine. And then you did something. (laughs) Cue the dysregulation. (laughs) Exactly. All right, Nicole, with all these different kinds of coaches that are out there, different kinds of therapists, different Mm -hmm. kinds of coaches, Mm -hmm. different kinds of business coaches, even like, can you, can you give us like a tip or two? What, how are we to know what is the best way for us to figure out the right coach? Uh, Mm -hmm. Because I am afraid. That a lot of us, maybe not therapists, because therapists, maybe you look at your insurance plan to see who's in your network or Mm -hmm. whatever. But certainly when we're going through selecting life coaches and business coaches, I am afraid that we're looking at Instagram and looking at who's active in their Mm -hmm. account. And that's how we pick. But like, what, what, how do, how should we be picking? How should we be selecting? (laughs) Yeah, who's who's got the best curated feed on Instagram, right? This is it, right? I would never get any clients if that was the case. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I think that what you need to do is identify what your immediate need is, mm-hmm. you know, and, and write this down. You're like, you're going to need this as you're trying to figure out who to hire. So identify what your immediate need is. Asking a lot of questions and doing a lot of research on the people that you're looking into. Um, because I may say to you, Oh, I think I need a business coach. But as I start to really kind of recognize, kind of double down, like, what is the actual need I have here? I probably have a really good idea for my own business. And I have enough, enough, you know, in, um, experience and information right now to start to make it work. But I might need some help with marketing because that's something I've never done before. You know, so get really clear about what it is. Or, you know, am I just generally unhappy in my life? Or, 
am I unhappy with work? You know, maybe I need a career coach. You know, maybe if I'm in a corporate structure, I need some executive coaching. So get really clear about what the true need is that you have, not just what's, you know, people are calling it. And I also say, does that person practice what they are preaching? Because there's a ton of people who say, I can teach you how to have multiple six-figure businesses that don't have one, right? So do, do some more research on, does this person actually have what they say they have, ask for receipts, transparency, they should be able to show you what they have, you know, if they're not willing to do that, then I'd walk away. I tend to like people um, who have a certification, like if, if you're looking for a coach who falls under like International Coaching Federation, like ICF, because these people do have some oversight and some ethical structures to adhere to, continuing education, yeah, they've usually been through a longer certification as opposed to like a weekend or something like that. Um, so what are their qualifications? You know, what is their framework that they're offering? If they do a high pressure discovery call, to me, that's a red flag. Do you do they have similar lived experiences? You, you know, if you have a and, you know, no offense to middle aged white guys, but if you have a middle aged white male telling you as a you know, younger woman of color that all the things that he did should work for you. No, not always, right? I, I think that we don't talk enough about that, that having similar lived experience when it comes to the, particularly life coaching and business coaching is important. Follow your gut. Mm-hmm. Your gut is important. Um, and ask them, what is their style of coaching? What methodology do they use? What training have they received? And are they getting any supervision from someone outside of themselves? particularly if they're a life coach and cost matters too. Like what, what is the cost of it? So, um, and same thing with therapists. Like I, I tell people all the time, I'm like, people put more effort into finding the right pair, the best perfect pair of jeans than they yeah. do finding a good therapist. You know, it's okay for you to interview them ahead of time. It's okay to have maybe go through a couple of therapists before you find the right fit. Yeah. Yeah. So what is their policy if you decide not to work with them? You know, what is the coach's policy if you get in and you're like, oh, no, there's, you know, it's it's one way of doing something and that they can't meet me where I'm at. What is their policy? That's awesome. I like those. Thank you so much, Nicole. Can you talk a little bit? I mean, we talked a little bit about your work already, but I wanted to <laughs> to hear more about it because you have a very specific area and you talk about something very specific. So I work with people now at the intersection of trauma and entrepreneurship. Mm-hmm. And um, and the reason why I don't have issues in general with coaching is because I left therapy and got a, a money mindset certification <laughs> to do coaching, right? So I, I, I think that there are fantastic coaches out there. So I don't want people to think I'm, you know, giving coaches a hard time. But what I began to see, because I had a clinical lens, is that a lot of the people who were coming to me with mindset issues, they actually were having trauma responses when it came to their money. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't a it, no mindset tip or trick was going to work for them. And they were really frustrated because of that. So they had you know, read the books, done the mindset work, and mm-hmm. it wasn't working. And so I began to see that there was an intersection between money and trauma. And beyond that, I started to see, okay, so there's also an intersection here between our businesses and trauma. And so over the years, the research that I've done shows us that the motivation to start a business usually has some, some um, is usually birthed around some experience where we needed to show someone something, prove something, or mm-hmm. feel safe and secure, mm-hmm. or be the one who's always in control, mm-hmm. right? And that that, tra- that childhood trauma, even things that are seemingly insignificant that were traumatizing to you can impact the motivation to start a business, 
the relationship that you build with that business Mm -hmm. and how trauma then plays out in the systems within your business. And so that's what I work with people now. That's why they call me the business therapist, because I'm not really a business coach and I'm not really a therapist. And so we're in the middle. (laughs) Like you're not helping them with their marketing or their business models or their revenue models and stuff like that, right? No, but I can help them with emotional sustainability plan to know that how we can build a business that supports you as opposed to you using it as a mechanism to re-traumatize yourself, right? So, and because I have a business, I can speak intelligently to what it means to own a business because I have one myself. Yeah, And also even like pricing our services have a lot of emotional component Mm -hmm. to it that comes out. And are those kinds of some of the things that you talk about as well, right? Yes, all of it, you know, pricing, um, how you can not traumatize your clients, your employees, you know, how you can um, understand the impact of systemic trauma on what may be showing up for everyone as well. And so I have the anatomy of a traumatized business that I take people through in my Do No Harm program that I offer twice a year. And everyone who goes through it, they get the title of trauma conscious entrepreneur because they are conscious of how trauma is impacting their business and how it could also be impacting the people who come in contact with their business as well. So yeah, I've seen you talk about the Do No Harm program. Is that only, is that an evergreen thing or only like uh, twice a year, you just say it's only over it, it times a time. Yes, yeah. it is a standalone course. Like if you are someone who's very inherently led and you don't like a lot of, you know, you can go take that program yourself at any time. But I do run a live cohort for it for people who kind of like that extra accountability and support um, twice a year as well. So, you know, I, I think that we all have to understand that we don't drop who we we don't drop our baggage at the door when we start a business. We bring all of who we are into it, including those traumatic experiences. Totally right. Um, mm-hmm. And did you did you also write a book? I didn't know that you've written a book. Can you yeah, talk about yeah. the book? Why did I miss that? Oh uh, yeah, <laughs> like it. I published it last April. It's called How to Love Your Business: Stop Recreating Trauma and Have a Business You Love and That Loves You Back. Oh, I am going to put a link. <laughs> to that on the show notes. All right. Well, Nicole, this has been fantastic. Can you tell us, please, where we can find you online? I bet you don't do TikTok dances, but please, or maybe you do. I don't know. I'm on TikTok though, but I don't dance. Okay. So you can find me on LinkedIn at Nicole.LewisKeeber. That's kind of a hybrid account. It's like personal and professional. Okay. Um, of course, I'm on LinkedIn, you know, like everyone. Yes. And I am on TikTok. And it's my handle there is the business therapist. And I do a lot of education about what trauma is and how it impacts business. And, um, you know, so it's more of an educational channel. I'm not doing any dances or anything (laughs) like that. But, you know, it's it's a nice place to be and I enjoy it. Cool beans. All right. Well, Nicole, this has been fantastic. Oh, my goodness. Thank you so much. And thank you. Thank you for your patience for allowing me to ask all these very basic one-on-one questions. I really, really appreciate it. You're welcome. I'm so glad you did. This will be helpful to people. Yes. I want to thank Nicole Lewis Kieber for sharing her expertise with us. You can find out more about her at NicoleLewisKieber.com. And if you head on over to secondbreaks.com, you're going to find the episode's show notes where you'll find all the links to her website, to her social media account and her book and all the good stuff. So secondbreaks.com.
If you enjoyed this episode or like listening to the podcast, I would so, so appreciate it if you would do me a solid and leave me a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. You leaving a rating and review helps us do well so that more midlifers can find out about the show. So thank you so much in advance. Okie dokie, I will be back in a couple weeks with a new episode. Until then, stay safe, stay sane, and keep on making your dent, my friend. Cool beans.